Welcome, anglers, to the Fisherman's Favorite Podcast. We're here at the Northland headquarters, and I'm Charlie Peterson, marketing manager, and I'm here with... I'm Sam Larson. I uh, do a lot of the product development here, as well as help out uh, the marketing team with some visual stuff, graphics and whatnot. And I'm Joe Oman, all things e-commerce, and the resident ice grinder. So, Northland's, one of Northland's taglines is made by fishermen for fishermen, uh, and that's because we're all pretty, pretty hardcore fish heads here, so... Pretty much after every weekend, we're in talking about uh, what we were catching over the weekend, what we were doing. So we figured we'd start recording some of these as podcasts. Uh, we're going to try to keep it kind of light, keep it fun. Uh, we're going to have some of our pro staff guests on, give you some inside looks at some of the Northland uh, business that we do. Um, and yeah, we're, we're super excited to start recording some of it. Yeah, and I think today we're going to focus on all things First Ice. There's deer in the meadow, frogs in the pond, a place up the river where the fish are getting long. Bass in the lilies, crappie in the reeds, walleye on the rocks and pike in the weeds. There's a fella down the road who's a real fishing man, give you a stringer for the frying pan. Northland, fish and tackle, fisherman's favorite, it's a fisherman's favorite. We're going to be talking today uh, kind of all about early ice and some of uh, the things we like to do. Uh, first of the year, getting ready. Um, it's creeping up close. I'm not exactly sure when this podcast is going to air. Uh, we're probably going to try to bank up a few of them before we get them rolling. Uh, but early ice is upon us, so I'm going to kind of jump right into it. So what uh, what lakes do you guys like to hit first, early ice? What's your favorite for early, for early ice trip? That's an incredibly easy question to answer. Um, whatever has safe ice, it's pretty simple, cut and dry, right? You know, maybe you can get on red, but I'd be willing to bet that there's some secret little ponds out there that have some walkable ice, and they're probably holding a pretty good time. Yeah, for sure. Most likely in the way of it, bluegills. It, it's crazy because... One of the biggest lakes in our area, and for those of you who don't know, we're based out of Bemidji, Minnesota, so northern Minnesota. One of the biggest lakes in our area, Red Lake, Upper Red Lake, is the first to freeze, and then the smallest lakes in the area. Um, Upper Red Lake notoriously freezes fast because it's basically a shallow basin. It's The majority of the lake, I think, is like a 12-foot average. Um, so it's it's honestly usually pretty close in there, depending on... Uh, wind to some of those small pothole lakes. So great walleye option is out there and great panfish option. And that's Red Lake's my always my first favorite early ice trip. Um, it's easy to get to, you know, you, you know, usually got walking traffic. You don't have to go out very far. Um, if there is any snow at that time, which is usually pretty light, it's been packed down by other people going, um, you can get a whole pile of your buddies out there. You know, some of these smaller lakes that freeze up quick can be, uh, you know, your secret little juice spots that you only take your most trusted individuals to. But Red Lake, you can invite everyone. Um, it's good to go knock the rust off, set some hooks in the wall, on walleyes, and I don't know, that's my favorite for sure. Yeah, you can definitely get on some of the smaller lakes and do some pan fishing, but oftentimes Red Lake's the first first place I get out. Yeah, and two for like people traveling, especially not in this area, because you really you don't know where those other little lakes are that 
red, you know, you have basically go out of resort. I would say 95% of the traffic is out of resort, and they always make sure things are safe, have road marks, uh, roads marked, paths marked, um, give you maps. So it's it's a good good option for that early ice ice trip. So that's my favorite. It's always kind of a hard transition for me to go from open water to ice, but the good thing is, like, early ice fishing is usually pretty good. Yeah, so that I know. that makes it pretty that makes it an easier transition for I w- sure. I wish we could get like that December safe ice where everything is safe, you can travel good and that would last all winter cuz <clears throat> fishing can be pretty phenomenal on that uh that ex- aspect of things. So yeah, we're definitely hoping for, you know, some good ice before a bunch of snow gets put down yeah. and uh yeah, hopefully we can get around on the ice good this year. Yeah. Snow is it's Snow is an interesting thing around here because it, it can create a mess in the lakes, uh, but it also can protect a lot of lakes. If we don't get enough snow, uh, some of those secret little little small lakes can get hammered really hard, and uh, you can see it years down the road. So I don't know. Snow is a love-hate relationship for me, but I hope we just get, like, a nice tolerable amount of snow this year. So Yeah, it's fun when you can, you know, drive your truck around, but... Like you said, at the same time, like, protect some of the lakes. Um, but also you want to, it's not it's not very fun when some of the lakes get uh, no. winter killed if no. you have a tough winter. Yeah, exactly. So you can either, too light gets killed by anglers, too heavy gets winter killed yeah. uh, by the light penetration. So, um, yeah, we'll see what this winter holds. It's been, we've had pretty rough winters the past few years, so, uh I wouldn't mind something a little bit lighter, but we'll see where it goes. So let's uh, let's go into talking about gear, early ice. Um, see what you guys do. But uh, I like keeping it super, super simple on my first few ice trips. Uh, basically bring as little as possible. Is that something you guys do as well? Or do you go get all ready, get prepped, and go for the full shebang right off the bat? Well, you you got to come in light. Okay. So, you know, obviously, most of the time, you can't, you won't be able to drive any sort of a vehicle anywhere, right? Yep. It's no secret. We're talking walking ice. Yep. Um, me, personally, I'm going to find the lightest little kid sled that, you know, neighbor kid was bombing down the hill with it yesterday. And to take that, you need a flasher, three rods, and... One small box of tackle. Yeah. Uh, it's it's simple, right? Like, we're talking four inches of ice, depending on, uh, in most cases, you're going to be walking further than you'd probably want. Red, you can get away with, what do you think, 75 yards at first ice, maybe? We're yeah, talking that. May, maybe a little bit like farther. Maybe six it, to nine feet of it, water. It feels like 75 because you're so excited to get out there the first time. I think it's a little bit farther than that, but it's it, close. It's not a hard walk for anyone. Right. Now, when you start talking panfish holes, first ice, you're most likely hiking into something. Yeah. And and a lot of those small lakes have like a four-wheeler or snowmobile path too. Right. So come prepared for a hike. And you will not be upset with that choice. You, you never get out there and say, geez, I wish I would have bought, brought 
five more pounds of tackle. I wish I had four more rods. It's always, why did I bring so much stuff? Yeah. And, you know, it's always easier said than done. You're excited. It's your first trip on ice. I need this. 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 Yeah. Next thing you know, you're trying to walk back at the end of the day. You're exhausted. And you're looking at all the stuff that you brought that you didn't use. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing for me. Um, I used to like, you're excited to go fish. You've been waiting all year to fish. You bought all this gear in the fall to try out stuff new. And what I found out for me is I can be kind of a space cadet sometimes. I'll bring all the new. Yeah. Wow. Big, big mystery. Oh, but I'll bring all the new stuff and then forget some of the stuff I need. Yeah. So I, I really go with the kiss method, early ice and, grab like three rods a red spoon for red lake <laughs> but it's important to have like the stuff you need like this you know if you want to run a swivel make sure you have your swivels with uh hooks for your dead stick like leave all the fancy stuff home for that first trip and keep the stuff you need like you know you start bringing cameras and you realize your batteries weren't charged on your cameras and that was a waste uh, you bring all this tackle, and it ends up just sitting in the bottom of your sled anyways because you're just kind of getting into it. So I like keeping it quite simple. I think one of the biggest things for me is just remembering to have, like, a clippers or a scissors because yeah. it don't matter, like, what the pound test of line it is. I can't I can't cut it with my teeth. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm in the same boat that I, I cannot cut line with my teeth, so I always have to have clippers, pliers. Which I keep now. I keep one on my keys. I had one on my keys forever. I lost it, and we've been going to test lures here <clears throat> at some of the pools and have some of the docks in the fall here. And I always like have to hand the rod to somebody and be like, "Tie, tie this one on for me because I can't can't bite off. I can break it. I can clamp it and break it, but I can't bite off." Yeah, I don't so. know how many times I tied on a spoon and then brought it over to Jace while he's fishing and says, "Hey, can you can you <laughs> cut my tag off?" I've definitely been there yeah. before too. So yeah, so, there's a whole side note there first ice organization yeah my question to you two would be do you ever go through your bibs or say your graph bag or anything and look at it before you go out there and say hmm you're saying going through your bibs to see what's left in your bibs? i guarantee if i went through my bibs right now i got some wax worms still in. i got some i got mummified wax worms and some rotting dead minnows i got some minnows for sure okay that's (laughs) nice so yeah but that's the simple part you go and say do i have my clippers on my bibs in my bibs anywhere and and it sounds so dumb to sit here and think about it but i guarantee you 60 percent of first ice goers are probably going to have something small and essential like a clipper Mm -hmm. or pliers don't have it and one of the tough things about ice fishing is, so unlike open water fishing where you hit, like, I don't know about you guys, but I treat my boat as my tackle box. And everything I have is in the boat. Like, and you just drive it, pull it out of the garage, you go fishing, pull it in the garage, you're done. And everything's there. But ice fishing, it's a lot more, especially like early ice when you're walking. Okay, well now we're taking everything out of the ice house and moving it into the small sled. Forgetting things. So, like, super easy to make lists and stuff on your phone nowadays, too, and, and get all that stuff checked off. So, 
just makes your life a little easier in the end. I like to simplify it. Like you got the sled, then you got a five gallon bucket, and you got your tackle and your graph and your five gallon bucket. Yeah, and then you need an auger. What what else do you need? I I try to keep keep my clippers on my bibs, and yeah. usually the other anglers that I'm fishing with, they're not worried about having clippers or anything. But I got to make because sure you I always have yeah. them. No, be, because they the can guy. probably. They're just not worried about it because they can break the line with their teeth or something. But I'm sitting over there 15 minutes later like, hey, can you cut my tag in? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes well, like, fish will bite it. You know, oh, they will. I've, I've had when you're out there and you're, you're too embarrassed to ask, they'll, they'll eat it. But, yeah, definitely a cleaner presentation when you yeah. can clip the tag in. So uh, let's talk about another over or, or not an overlooked, but never leave home without for Red Lake is a dead stick. How often have you guys been up to the red? I know it's happened for me, but I don't see if you guys do. Been up to red, and the dead stick is the only thing that plays that day for whatever reason. I uh, definitely had it, you know, make make the day, you know, good yeah. rather than not good. Exactly. I've, I've had it where I've switched both my rods to dead stick, and you just sit there with your hands and your pockets waiting for one to drop. I don't know what it is about that body of water, but sometimes the dead stick is like key. Well, you, you always think about that. It's just like any other day on the water. You you have to approach every day with an open mindset. You never know what it's going to be that's going to trip their trigger, right? You you can have an idea, but that could change every day. Yeah. So on those days where you can't buy a bite, you're marking fish, marking fish. They come up, they they give you the old swerve, come up, take a look, see ya. Yep. It's the simplest thing you could do is just drop a minnow in their face. Yeah. No, that's in ninety percent of the time when you run into that, right? What what ends up happening? They'll just come up, boop, snip it, yeah. Suck that minnow in. It's game on. So pay attention when you're out there. Like if the dead stick starts going and your buddies don't have them out, it's not just like, oh, a fluke. Like it can really be the deal. Yeah. And like I said, sometimes I've even switched to two dead sticks, but I've also noticed that um, a lot of times having that jigging spoon, especially like rattling options like coffin spoons, glass buck shots, whatever, that'll <clears throat> be the attractor to get bring the fish in. They'll come look at you. Give that spoon the middle fin, as bro would say, and then move off and, and hit the dead stick. So <clears throat> you got to pay attention to what's happening there, too. But sometimes the dead sticks that are away from the spread are the ones that are going off, too. Like if you have tip-ups out or tip-downs, which can be another good thing, is that sometimes it seems like you're just, you know, red is like a structureless body of water. There's some slight bottom content changes, but it seems like the fish kind of move on paths out there. So... If you get a good group of guys out there, get a little bit of a spread going, and if all your stuff going to the north is getting bit in the south, even just a little move can sometimes really help. Yeah, and that would go, I mean, you could lead that straight into a whole other conversation. It, it, if you're around fish and you're seeing fish, yeah, most likely you need to stay there and try and figure fish, out what yeah. to get them to go. That, Oh. Let's. I want to hit one more dead stick thing, but yeah, that's a good point. Let's dive in deep about 
locations and and getting into those fish on we're right. going all in we'll on the dead stick all in on the, the well just location but uh another huge topic are you guys a plain hook guy or like a single hook jig like a forage minnow jig on your dead stick so we're going to rename this to dead sticking 101 maybe but segment one is dead sticking 101 regardless majority of the time plain hook and, and you can roll that right into what we were just talking about with keeping it simple. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get any simpler than that. Well, I, I'll argue with that. A lot of times I'm a forage minnow jig guy because I forget my split shots at home on that first trip. So forage minnow jig's got the weight incorporated in it. So that's simple too. I've seen it both ways where sometimes that little bit of color of having a jig attached um, or even just dead sticking a spoon I kind of like try to shy away from it, uh, especially on red when you got slot limits. Cause if you get a deep, you know, those fish can deep hook a treble hook and it's not good, but I've seen times where the color of the forage minnow jig, like it's make or break it. And you look at the presentation of a forage minnow jig and it's kind of, it's ugly. It's like a minnow hanging horizontal on a jig hanging vertical, but I've had it where that is key to getting bites in the day. And then I've had it where just a plain hook is getting bites too. So kind of depends on the day charlie what do you think um a lot of times i think like a plain hook is something in my box that just ends up disappearing or it, <laughs> exactly there's usually none in there so like yeah. the split I shots mean, my go-to is like an eyeball spoon yeah you small rock the spoon. Eyeball spoon. yeah which i know a lot of guys like rock the spoons yeah. too just really just get some of those and put a single hook on them and that'd be that would be deadly so I think the the more and more that we talk here i realize that we might have to sign you guys up for the boy scouts and learn how to become prepared individuals for whatever you it's just finding it's it's early i think you're i I mean you're up above and beyond but my problem is and i think we're all sportsmen here so it's like hunting season like bow hunting bow hunting bow hunting it's like take a weekend to put all that ice stuff together or just pack up the night before and go for it i know i'm still gonna have a good time as long as i got a flasher with batteries a couple of rods and enough stuff to stay warm. And then I'll figure out what I need the rest of the season. I kind of fly that way. Like spend a day packing or spend a day fishing or hunting. I go with that fishing or hunting. I'm not very disciplined when it comes to setting a tip up. When I first get out to a spot, like I'm going jigging. I want to catch my yeah. fish jigging. Um, then someone else will set one set, up for you. Set one up for me. <laughs> and then, I don't know. It's just not... It's fun when you're catching them, but I just want to go yeah, right no. to the hole and get to work. No, I hear you there. But that's one thing that, just because of the experience I've had in the past, I always set up a dead stick first. It's fun when you're sitting in a house and you got, you know, one dead stick sitting yeah. right next to you and you see the fish come in and you don't know if they're going to hit the dead stick or they're going to hit you and they're playing around and you don't know which rod they're about to hit. Back forth. Yeah. <laughs> Golden rule of an early ice ice fishing trip. Mo- mostly targeting walleyes. Set up your dead stick right away. Yeah, that's a fair. That's fair. Charlie's golden rule is just go fishing and have someone else set him for it. Because you know me and <laughs> you and me are going to set one up for him eventually. Because <laughs> we're not going to we're not going to have six lines out. Yes, that is accurate. <laughs> but but we're take we're not feeling bad when we're taking his 
upsets no. though. No, either. I tell you right now, if I set that dead stick up, you're not touching it. Don't I'll, even look at it. I'll beat you to it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll turn it into a foot race. But at the end of the day, you know what people always say: you got to watch your own bobber. And if you don't have one, I don't think you can legally. That's true. No. All right. Well, back to it's location. the golden rule. Back to yeah, let, let's roll on to location on red and finding fish. And it definitely seems like if you just get away from some away of the from groups the of people I, that you can get comfortable and start catching fish. For whatever reason, especially in like the walleye world, open water, ice, people just like like other people are structured to them. And I feel like the farther you can get away from them, the less fish you're sharing. Um, those people might have pushed a school out from yesterday too that I don't know every time I go to red I just try to get away from the crowds and it seems to be okay and if it doesn't work then you just move and a small move can make or break it sometimes you have to pull everything in and go out of a different resort Um, but yeah and that doesn't mean like go super far or go way out into the lake just move a little bit get away from people so you got your own little space and usually have a lot more better luck generally there's fish to be caught somewhere i mean definitely tough days out there but making little moves until you find them can save your day and worst case scenario you still didn't catch any but you probably weren't going to catch any if you didn't move so right get a little exercise and, and move around but it's it's like the classic thought you, you jump on a lake that there's a bunch of people fishing it and you see a pile of houses one side and naturally your brain instantly goes to what well that must be where the fish are right right just for whatever reason that's your natural thought and sometimes it's hard to think differently but if you force yourself to think differently and think about it as what it actually is and what it is is we're talking red lake first ice you're talking probably 10 feet or less, and herds of people mm-hmm. trouncing around on four to six inches ice. Now, that's like a really good description of it. You're Her- gonna, herds of people and the fish act like a herd of animals too. Exactly. So you, you basically what you effectively have is a herd of people, horses, yeah, yeah, herding pile of walleyes around a flat yeah now when you think about it like that and you visualize it like that what makes sense to you well you're gonna go on the outside of that herd and intercept these things as they're getting pushed around Mm -hmm. you by yourself is going to make a minimal amount of noise now when you got and you're not like you by yourself is is kind of like walking out to the deer woods the fish might not be there yet but they're gonna roll in but if you drive your car out to the deer woods, those fish that are away are going to hear it. So if you walk out in the herds, like they're not going to roll in because they know that's not a safe zone. You rolling up to 20 people fishing all around each other on red might as well you be yeah. you rolling into the deer woods with a tank. <laughs> yeah. Joe what, Joe, what are those dogs that they use for herding? What are they called? Shepherds. Shepherds. Are you a shepherd out there on red lake? You got that dog in you? I like to think that, uh, you know, after a trip or two, 
I go out on Red Lake. I, you know, knock the rust off. I like to think I got that dog in me. Okay. And I can go out there and herd those walleyes whichever way I want, you know. Or out there herding them left, herding them right. I think if you got that jersey on, then I definitely <laughs> it. It'll rarely work out the way that you write it up, right? You never know what you're going to get served. But keeping yourself away from the crowd has never been a bad thing. Yeah, another thing, too, you could be marking fish in the crowd, but I feel like those fish outside of the crowd are going to be way more comfortable and way more ready to eat. Like, there's definitely times where the crowds get bit, too. I mean, we've had it where you're, a crowd forms around you, and you're still getting bit. But I think the, the farther away you can get from people, because it, it's red, it doesn't matter. There's no really structure underneath the ice. It's very, you, there's, in fact, another thing we can talk about is overhead structure. Oh, of, man. I, I would say, though, if you're fishing by yourself and you have a crowd build around you, that would be one way to tell that you had yourself a day. Never by myself. It's when the Team Northland crew goes out there. Oh. You know, we're setting too many hooks and hooting uh, and hollering yeah. too much. Yeah. I don't know. I've had it when that happens, and then all of a sudden the fish stop biting. Like they, too. They, yeah. just, they just push the herd or something. So, yep. like, it happened last year. All of a sudden, you know, just there quit. was someone over there and someone to our right and then we made a quick move went a little ways started catching them again yep. the wolves came in and chased yeah. all your sheep off yep and then if you if you do have that dog in you you gotta roll out there and be the shepherd and corral your walleyes back that's right that's what we did love the love the farm <laughs> animal references yep. i'm excited to get out there you feel it tingling in your bones? I can. Yeah. Red Lake's my favorite ice trip of the year. I missed it last year. I didn't even get to go. I was so busy. I, you need I, to change I didn't have that. that dog. You need to change I, I love it when you're, you know, you don't even see him on the graph. You're just sitting there oh, jigging. Yeah. You got your, just banging your coffin spoon down there. Yeah. And then just boom. Yeah. And then, I mean, they, they fight, but they're still coming out the hole within like five seconds yeah. and you got to grab them. Yeah. Right. And on, like, too, like, the red size has really improved over the last yeah, we caught four some or five good years. Like, year. now it seems like it's hard to get the unders. Yeah. Or before it was hard to get your over or whatnot, but so it's fun. Another thing out there is color. I feel like since it's kind of a flat, barren wasteland, to me it seems like color is the most noticeable. It's one of the lakes where color plays the biggest role. You know, like you go to like Mille Lacs, early ice and whatnot, and the reefs and whatnot. I think it's more location and whatnot, but color can really seem to play a play a big deal on red. And you find that out, I think, when you go out with those big groups of guys and the guy that's got red on, right, right, is going to catch most. You know, it it's especially important when you're talking about a lake like that. Oh, we're talking a giant bog stained body of water. Yeah. So that, that sucker is dark. Yeah, you're talking, it looks like it looks like you didn't put enough coffee grounds in your coffee to the point that it's not black, but it is coffee-stained And it's hard to notice that in the ice, but if you ever go up there open water, it's right. like incredibly noticeable. So, you know, you look at other bodies of water that, that you have the same thing. Uh, Lake of the Woods is similar. 
um, some of the other Canadian shield lakes are similar. Where they're not, you're not crystal clear bodies of water. You're not dirty water, but you're stained. And it, you can kind of break it down real simply. You want to look at the weather conditions that you have with that stained, right? So if the sun's out, it's a nice day. Maybe it's still cold, but the sun's out, shining hard. You're at first ice, you have a little bit of ice, maybe a little snow on it. You're getting a ton of light penetration. And even in that stained water, you get enough light penetration to where a metallic spoon, like yeah. in this instance, it'd be you'd be reaching for metallic gold, yeah. right? You're still going to get that flash off that spoon, even through that stained water. It's not going to be like a mirrored spoon flash, but that's enough light coming in to make that gold kind of pop. Which is, I mean, you hear about gold up there. You don't really hear about silvers as much, but there's a ton of silver-based bait fish in there. Shiners and moon eyes mm-hmm. and little ciscos and... Like it's it's got some plegic type silvery. Can I offer an opinion on that? Yeah. This is by no fact science, nothing. But you know this when you say words of wisdom with Joe Oman. It, <laughs> oh, that's good. Great. <laughs> when you say you know you have all these silver bait fish in there, you do. But think about what a silver bait fish looks like underwater through that stained body of water. It looks yeah. gold. It looks it's going to have a gold hint to it. And that's why, you know, in that particular case, in my opinion, which probably doesn't mean much, but my opinion, I see that silver bait fish looking gold. I'm going to go straight to a gold presentation. And I was thinking the same thing, Joe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We're on the same page. So here's my theory on the the gold and, and more on the red. So I think... 75% 75% of the time I've been on Red Lake, red colors shine. So uh, we'll pop up some of our red options here, but uh, Super Glow Redfish is kind of like metallic front, glow red back. We got the new um, Super Glow colors that we just launched this year. got improved glow on it. We pumped as much glow as we could and do this. That red, it works really good. And why well, I think red kind of works good on, on red Um is because it almost camouflages a little bit. And I think those fish, you know, that body of water is so pressured, so pressured. They've seen everything in the book that I think when you kind of blend in, they don't, those fish don't get as good of a look on the bait as other. And, you know, if you keep it moving, they hit it out of reaction and the smell, you know, the smell of your bait. And it's, it's more of, you fooled them a little bit. You know, it's like, uh, First time I went trout fishing with Gussie up north, he said, you got a trout coming, always keep that bait moving because their eyes are so good and the water's so clear. If they get too good of a look at it, they're not going to eat it. So I think that's that's my theory of why red and gold, because gold's a little bit more subtle than silver, I think the fish don't get as good of a look at it. And there's enough fish moving through. You don't really need to attract them that bad by having something bright and whatnot. But I think those fish don't get as good of a look at it, and that's why they eat it. Okay, so... In the way that you perceive colors, mm-hmm. in in specifically to Red Lake, when would you go to your glow red? When would you go to your gold? Uh, I'd go to my glow red when I show up, 
and I'd go You're to my starting with that right I, off the bat, no, no matter, matter what. what the conditions okay. are, and okay. I would switch to my gold when they're not biting the glow red. Okay, I, I think you guys well, are both simple. right. Like anytime you're trying to, you know, choose a color or what color works, and you can put a theory together that makes sense to you, and you have confidence in it, like then then it's gonna work for you. Like that that's how I look at it. Confidence is half the battle. So your first day on red this year. What are you putting on that's going to be your confidence bait? Yeah, so obviously we Are you we, going to be know, looking at conditions, weather conditions? Are you throwing that out the window? I'm putting I'm putting glow red on for sure. Regardless. But regardless. <laughs> just just to start it off, okay. you know. Okay. If it's sunny in the middle of the day, I might mix in some gold. Okay. I might mix in some other colors to see how it's going like sneeze, maybe some blue, something out of the ordinary. But I'll always come back to the red. Say you move spots, put the red back on. Okay. Um, a couple years ago, like usually we're, you know, putting rattle, you know, something that's loud down there because the water's so dirty. But I remember when we were out with Bro that one time and he just crushes with the Bro Bug Spoon. Yeah. The, like the 16th ounce. And I was going to get into that too, is profiles I feel like can really change out there. We've had that happen with the Bro Bug Spoon, yeah. of that thinner profile, no rattle. We all had red on because that was a hot color, but he was catching like five, six to one on the bro bug spoon. So, uh, I mean, that's just bros kind of like that. Yeah, yeah I we're out bros. fishing with them. Like, you could be surrounded by people. Then the, the I've literally been wall, making like, the same yeah. cast as him in the open water. He's oh, just cast over there. Cast nothing. He cast, caught one. I cast. It's he's a vacuum. Yeah, like the one time we had holes all around the house. He was in the middle of the house. Yeah. Caught twenty seven and a half inch walleye. Literally watched it swim right by my lure. No interest. Right over to him. The mystique of Bro is he's got something. If he's got I think he, he must have a fish magnet that he created himself. He just keeps it in his shoes every day he goes fishing. I, yeah. He doesn't want to release it to the world. He's not putting a patent on that. Nothing. I wish we could bottle it and sell it. Oh. Wow. <laughs> Squeeze it out of them. Yeah. Bro's, bro's secret sauce. Fish elixir. It, it, I think it comes down to experience and, and time put on the water. Like, if you put in your time, like, it's going to come back around. And what, One thing I've learned with fishing with Bro is he knows how to read the fish's body language better than anyone I've ever seen. And it's made me a better angler being able to fish with all of our pro staff. But I learned that a lot from him that, he knows exactly when to drop it in the mud and just let it sit there. He knows when to fire them up and keep them moving up on it. He knows when just little, like he can read those fish's body language really, really good. Yeah, definitely learned quite a bit from fishing on the ice yeah. with bro. Like I'll be fishing pretty close to the bottom and I'll go look, you know, look at what he's doing and all of a sudden he's, you know, like four or five feet up from the bottom. It's <laughs> yeah. like, I didn't even think of that. He usually tells us about halfway through the day Yeah, <laughs> when he's doing something funny like that. After he's caught about a dozen. He'll just be like, oh, guys, I've been doing this. and uh, After, you know, after you make sure that he's, he, no one's going to beat him on how many fish were caught. Right. What? Uh, if you're going up to red. Let's finish out colors here. Yeah, I'll say if you're going up to colors. red, my my palette for red is I'm going to have some Brobug spoons. I'm going to have some probably Buckshot coffin spoons. Now I I almost exclusively show throw up or use a Buckshot coffin spoon over a Buckshot spoon. 
and a glass buckshot spoon. And I'm going to have those in red, golds, super glow perches, which is like a green, green glow looking color. And then the chartreuses, so either a sneeze or uh, an electric perch type chartreuse and orange combinations. If you got those in an array of sizes um, and styles, you're going to get bit on one of those. Right. Sometimes the the horizontal baits play like puppet minnows and and that and rip and chads, but majority of the time, spoon wins. And then for like sizes, like obviously you can get away with some of the smallest sizes because you're yeah. fishing so shallow. Yeah. Like one thing that I like to do is I'll fish the the three eighth ounce coffin spoon. I'll just get it down there and just keep yeah. it on bottom and just banging it around. Like if you don't if you're not seeing any fish, that's I'll tie that on and just try to call them in with that. It's not it's not crazy like a rip and chat or super loud, but just banging bottom with the heaviest size coffin spoon. That's worked for me pretty good. Now the the coffin spoon's interesting because it's almost like a hybrid between a flutter spoon and a what would you say like just a regular buckshot. It's got it's got everything in one. So it's like a semi flutter spoon. It's got flat sizes, flat sides. So if you watch it fall, like it'll it it won't be like a flutter spoon where it's like gonna get out of your sonar cone or take five minutes to get down there obviously not red because it's shallow but it does have some flutter and and wobble it's got the rattle in it and it's got the kicker tail that's gonna click on the hook so it's pretty pretty loud so, so it's almost like a, a a frankenstein bait that you can do everything with you can be loud you can crash bang but you can also kind of get a subtle flutter to it a slower fall and if you've ever fished a flutter spoon on red you know that can be dynamite too and that that would mostly be like a looking at a slow subtle fall right yeah coffin spoon's most versatile spoon we have i think i would agree hot take i mean it that is kind of a hot take, but... You know what else I'm going to be fishing with this year? Oh, boy. Some of the new stuff, but we don't get to talk about that yet. Oh. But we, you guys stay tuned for next ice launch because it's going to be... Yeah. It's going to be good. <laughs> are you are you trying to drop all the information? No, no I'm just teasing that it's going to be good. And that freaky wild 2024 ice. So one, one fun thing that uh, the listeners might like is... Kind of how the development process of a product rolls is, is we get the shape in, we approve the shape, and then we have a set of color samples come in, and we have like one or two of every color, like right off the get-go. And when we have that, that you know, that's right away first ice. So that's usually the only samples we have um, for the upcoming product. So we'll take those up to red, and a lot of times it's like we got to test out this new stuff, but... We only have one red fish or one this. So it's it's kind of fun to see who has that bait sometimes. And that's that situation. I think that was one of the times bro kicked our butts on the bro bug spoon is because he had literally the only uh, eighth ounce bro bug spoon in the world at the time. Yeah. And we were just rifling through our tackle boxes to find something similar. <laughs> 
and we couldn't we couldn't get bit and that we there's nothing we can do you know out of all the tackle we had because that was the new one so that's that's kind of fun because um, a lot of our walleye spoons that's where their first test gets played is is red lake and and see so that's when you do get hosed by your buddy because you can't be prepared then you just got to beg for the other samples I've never been a big fan of begging for uh, <laughs> spoons, but it, in a lot of times in those cases, it's best to just walk away. <laughs> if if it's going that poorly for you and you got to sit there and watch your buddy jack on walleye after walleye, I think it's time to pick up an auger, get light and versatile, and do yourself a little ice trolling. And find some fresh fish that'll find some fresh eat fish. the old stuff exactly. So find fish that want to eat what you're gonna give them. You could square up. You could do that too, but I don't know. I I got my money on bro. If that was yeah. that was the guy. Well, so <laughs> example of that last year, we went out there early and we were shooting some contents. So we we're using like the coffin spoons and whatnot, and then we're like, okay, we gotta get some. And at this point, we had. So last year, two years ago, must have been two years ago now. Yeah, uh, we had like a handful of glass buckshot spoons, like a handful less than we normally had. So it was kind of like, don't lose these yet. We can fish with them a little bit, but don't lose them. Uh, but we'd been fishing all day, and it kind of slowed down. And we go to shoot some video of you know, bro, kind of just fishing and talking about the glass buckshot. Didn't expect to really get any fish in it. You know, it was more of a talking piece than a fish piece. Uh, he dropped it down, caught like two right away. And we've been ghost town for an hour. And then I went and shot some video and dropped it down and boom, boom, two. And I think a lot of that was, again, the pressured fish, the little different sound the glass buckshot has called in some of those those fish and seeing something different. So switching out through the day can help too. Always got to stay versatile. Stay right? versatile, yeah. And beg for samples. And don't lose the samples. It hurts when you got one on one and you lose it, man. Don't, don't ever fish a bait that is one of one in the whole world anywhere around pike. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which red you don't run into too many pike, but you cut there's some big ones out there. Oh yeah. Have you guys ran into big ones? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like that was where So last year I, last year we were catching them real good. It was on our second spot. And the all, bike, like, multiple? No, we were catching walleyes. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, it was, like, our second and third spot, and we were still catching them, but we were probably not going to fish too much longer. And then we had a giant pike come in, and he sat below our hole. We were sitting in the house because it started snowing and blowing pretty good, and it would not move. We put everything in its face, and we even put the underwater camera down, put it right in its face just to confirm what it is, what just it giant pike sitting under us. Yeah. And we were trying to spook it. Yeah, get it out of there know, so you can stop, start catching some Stomping on the ice, like, get out of here. We don't have time to make another move. We want to catch a couple more walleyes before we leave. But that just ended our day. Just this big pike sitting under the hole. So you probably like the shadow your fish house was casting. Yeah, I don't know. Which is what we didn't really get into too Structure. Much. Well, we'll go to structure, but on the pike topic, like, I've never really caught numbers out there. But it's usually, like, one little one and a big one or... A big one or a couple little ones. Right. It, it seems like pretty, a lot of times. Pretty you, tackle safe. You go to those big stained bodies of water, they're all loaded with big pike. Yeah. 
But what you don't get that you get in a lot of other clear bodies of water, say like a lot of what we have in central Minnesota, north central Minnesota, clear bodies of water loaded with smaller pike. Yeah. Whereas you go to some of those stained fisheries and you don't you don't you don't spend half your day beating hot dog sized pike away from your ice yeah. hole. You really don't catch up. There's not like a whole lot of bycatch on red either. There's some crappies this, out there too. It. People are getting oh. into the crappies out there. Uh, so what what lake do you go to next, Joey? If you go to red and maybe some panfish stuff before that. Name, what, Gordon's County. Yeah, what's your next destination? Link the fishing report below. So after Red Lake, I'm looking for... Ideally, safe ice on, say, like, Winnebagosh, whether it be Leech or Winnie, okay? Because, you're again, you're talking about two other walleye factories that's set up a little different than Red. You know, you actually have structure that you try and pinpoint or... Um, well, now you're getting into some perch. That's the other thing. Yeah. You got a perch bonus there. Yeah. So. Jumbos. Bemidji's got some good early ice perch. Right. Too. So whether it's Lake Bemidji, Cass Lake, Winnebagosh, yeah. Leech Lake. Mississippi chain. Right. Mississippi fed bodies of water. They all have great perch. But that's going to be like the next logical step, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, you have... Lake of the Woods, too. So, honestly, a, a per, in a perfect world, you got first ice around Thanksgiving. We're going to go hit some secret little panfish holes. Yeah. I, 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 that's about, you just leave it at that. We're not going right? to talk about that. Right. And, uh, you know, for those of you who travel, we were just talking about this in the office the other day. For those of you who travel up and stumble across one of these lakes, um, it... That not every lake up here is like that. And I think I was guilty of it when I came up to college here and we'd, you know, fish really hard and start fumbling on these, or you stumbling on these lakes with just trophy panfish. And I didn't necessarily tell anyone about them, but, you know, my friends would, we'd go back and back and you take some fish out of, for, you know, fish fries and whatnot. And it's like, wow, you really beat on those lakes hard. And the longer you live up here, you realize how special those are. So, Keep them, whether it's in your hometown or up north or out in a different state, keep some of that to yourself. You know, and it's not not always out there. Pressure. Word spreads grown. pretty fast, yeah. too. Like wildfire. You let one of your close buddies know, and then he's got another real close buddy that he lets know, and then he tells his dad. Uh, so there's a whole other well, And then his dad tells his best coworker buddy. Pick and then your next friends thing you know, wisely. What we used next to- thing you know, you got to find a new lake. What we used to do in, in college is you'd come back with a bucket full of nice fish and, you're, you know, someone on your floor would ask you where you caught them or whatnot, and you'd find a lake about equal distance in the opposite direction and tell them you caught them there. Yeah. And I kind of wonder how many times you've accidentally blown some other lakes <laughs> telling you that. But, I mean, I... God, <laughs> you, were, you were right. We killed them out there. We had some fun. We... T- freshman year which like makes no sense now but we t- told a lot of people we caught some really nice crappies on lake bemidji and they believed it oh yeah, oh, yeah. So. but it, 
And there's like going and finding your panfish lakes right away. There's nothing that could be more frustrating and more rewarding at the same time. You can go yep. out, you can hit five of those things in a day and not catch anything. Maybe never even see anything. And you go out last lake, last hour of the day, get on that last one, and it's loaded. Yeah. And you have yourself a great hour of catching fish. When you're driving home, I don't know if there's too many feelings in the world that feel better than that. Yeah. You know, and accomplished. That, that's that's one of the differences between open water and ice fishing, I think. Like, you can go fishing open water and you can catch some fish that aren't what you're looking for, not big enough, and you'll feel like you failed that day. But if you go on the ice and almost anything you catch, you know, it's fun to catch to the ice. Yeah. You got you got a small rod, small line. You catch an 8-inch bluegill, 7-8-inch bluegill. Like, that's going to be fun. That's good. To, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, too, like, like the, the panfish deal can be a challenge sometimes. And I think that's why, um, you know, you're talking about the perch thing. In college, it was just panfish, you know, crappies, bluegills, crappies, bluegills. And I had, like, seven close buddies that we'd be trying lakes all the time. And it was pretty easy to get on fish. Um, But I realized, you know, those resources don't stay around winter kills and fishing pressures. Um, I really like getting into the perch game where you can go out to, like, a big lake, like a Winnie um, or something, and... You can kind of fish the same style, but you're all enclosed to that body of water. Like, mm-hmm. Winnie Perch, you still have to, like, drive around and look for them. Like, you're hopping lake to lake. Um, but it's a little bit, I think, more sustainable of a resource. It's a lot of fun. Perch are delicious if you want them for a fish fry. And then you usually got a good chance at a walleye or a pout towards the evening, too. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of extras there. It's, it's also more structure related yeah there's a lot of the times you end up going on crappie or bluegill hunts and you're fishing a basin or you know weed line you could consider that structure but when you get out on the big lakes and you start chasing perch and walleyes to an extent too it then you also get to that's when you really start you can look at a, a lake map yeah and start breaking down a lake map and that's enjoyable too. Yeah, oh, it's it's almost like hopping from lake to lake to lake. It is you hop from spot yeah. to spot, spot to spot. spot. And you know, we had it. It doesn't work every time, but when it does, it's like the Fourth of July. Me and my friend had a day like that on Winnie last year. That we were gonna go out and we we're gonna fish the whole day, and we've been catching you know guys in the office, but been getting on some fish on Winnie. We got out there. It was just tough, and I was looking for spots and driving all over the place and it's like you're almost ready to give up like you've drilled as many holes as you would looking for crappies and then all of a sudden you get on this one little finger and it's like bam 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 and it it's like super super rewarding and i don't know it's fun so i i really the older i've gotten i've really enjoyed the perch game now oh boy now to go back to where we were and finish this Panfish ponds, for starters. Red Lake, around Thanksgiving. Lake of the Woods, around second week of December. And then, 
once you start getting towards Christmas, it's all about big, clear bodies of water. Where do you guys always target panfish in the basins, early ice? No, I would, I'd like to get up in the, you know, shallow weeds. Shallow weeds. I, I I prefer basin myself. See, I, if you're I, around good weeds, you know there's going to be fish around. Right. I would say the majority of the time. If you're the, in the basin, you're going to be chasing. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Wow. Trademark that. Yeah. If you're, if you're fishing in the basin, in the basin you're going to be chasing. I wow. think the majority of the time the fish are out in the basin, but I've definitely, there's definitely some lakes that, that kind of first break. Like outside the weeds, not like buried up in it, but mm-hmm. outside the weeds, it can be really good fishing. And you'll like again these backwoods, sneaky little lakes um, that aren't that hard to fish. The whole thing, you'll be walking out where some guy's walking in, and like, oh, it's tough. And you look at all their holes, and they're out in the basin. And you pop some holes in that first break, like fifteen to eighteen feet, and it's just loaded with fish. Usually more bluegills, like I find. Right, but crappies can be mixed in too, and usually the crappies are farther out in the basin. But do you guys ever look for them in the boat come fall? I have tried a few times on crappie schools and identified a few and been able to go back and target them through the ice. Um, and I, that's if you want to be prepared, yeah, to catch panfish. It's 100% the way to do it. Yeah. If, if you can find the time to go out late fall and locate those fish, 100% yeah. do it. And, I mean, forward viewing sonars made it a lot easier, but there's no easier way to find a school of crappies than driving around in the fall in your boat with side imaging, I think. Right. Like, it's they stick out like a sore thumb. I haven't done it a ton. I've Like I said, just like you, I found a few, but it just gets to be that... Fall's busy. It's you can't, you know, sunsets at four thirty now, so you're walking out the door and it's dark, and you're deer hunting on the weekends, and you know, time you get some time to fish, and it's like sixteen degrees out, and you're like, oh, I'm not going to go fishing that. So. Yeah. But. The the thing is, if you're getting out on like the the lake has to be big enough to get your boat on if you're going to try to find them in the fall, and then oftentimes the first lakes that freeze up you can't get a boat on yeah so by the true. time the lakes that you were you know had your boat in looking for them by the time they freeze um, yeah they can move I, a lot I, yeah they can move yeah. a lot i'm just gonna you know tackle that when it comes yeah so you know what that means though you're gonna be cutting a bunch of holes that's right did you spend your fall um exercising and preparing yourself for the physical torture of cutting that many holes? I don't think so. Okay. So he, he, gets, his, he gets his exercise in first I, I'm day drilling out. like five holes. Like your dead stick. Yeah. Like your dead stick. Does Charlie go out there and hand the auger to Jace and Jace finds the fish? Yeah. <laughs> Just no. Charlie's fishing. <laughs> Jace is in the background smiling. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not drilling a million holes. No. no. But I don't think you really have to anymore. You know, they got forward viewing sonar. Or I know me and Joey are fans of, I think, Charlie, you run one too. But cordless drill augers, even up in the north country where we get a pile of ice, I don't think I'll ever go back to a power head auger. It's just 
so much lighter. And even with, you know, how much weight they've been able to shave off of, um, like, electric powerhead augers. Yeah. If you have your you have your drill rig and you go out and you're ripping holes with it, and you pick up even one of these new light electrics, it still feels like a night and day difference. You can... The drills are geared up a little quicker, too, so it's probably not as good for the motor, but... You can oh, pulse faster with the drill. They're than quick. The, the, the cordless auger. I mean, there was a point where it's like college, a you know, eight inch gas auger, I drill a ton of holes. Oh, you gotta do it, whatever. And then I was kind of like, Yeah, this ain't worth it anymore. I'll go drill a, a handful. And now you pick up some of these cordless options and it's like I'll go drill as many holes as I want again because it's so easy. And especially Electric, the first half turn it of the off, season. Turn it off when you're hollering at me across the ice that you found them. Like, it's just, it makes ice fishing so much more enjoyable. Any electric option, but I'm a huge fan of the cordless drill. You get a foot or less of ice. Mm-hmm. You're smoking holes with that drill auger so fast. You, you don't even, you can't even tell. Like, it, and maybe... Part of the reason that we're really talking about this is you should follow that up with one of the most important things, early ice, whether it's red, whether it's anywhere else we're going to go, you got to be efficient and you got to be quick. you got to be able to move, right? So when, when, when you're talking about fishing a whole entire little lake in one day, you can do all that, it becomes so much easier if you're light and quick and efficient. If you're out there with your gasser from... 2004 lugging that thing around it can be done it's been done a lot of times but you're going to put unnecessary stress on yourself your body and it's just not going to make it as enjoyable even in the lake like back to like drilling a bunch of holes like you scared every bird on the outside of that lake away yeah you get out there and it's just like it's like swiss cheese like honeycombed everywhere like that's just it's part of the game, obviously, and you got to do it sometimes. But I guess that's another advantage of having forward-facing sonar. Now you can kind of have less, drill less holes, and like you know, you'd have holes like five feet apart everywhere. You come up to a small lake, and it's like, well, I should just pack up and go back. <laughs> like I don't know if they caught them or not, but they definitely looks like they caught every fish in this lake. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I even even with forward facing sonar, I would still rather be light than heavy. For sure, yeah. hundred times over. The, the drill augers too open up opportunities for even tougher lakes to get into, right? Like stuff you can't. Like now you can. We've done it. Literally, no sled, a backpack, yep. a drill auger, and a rod. You throw the your sonar in your backpack auger over the shoulder, rod in your hand, and you can walk. Our out-of-shape butts can walk as far as we want to. Good old-fashioned hike, right? Joe, can you give me some of that juice? Oh, yeah, dude. That'd be sweet. Thanks. My mouth is getting so dry. You gotta... Don't forget to drink your blue stuff. We we gotta... uh, Make sure we make a list. Like we're talking about list of getting ready for, you know, the ice season and getting on the water. But 
we got the ice show coming up here yes. real soon. And one thing we got to make sure to remember is snacks and drinks for the booth. Booth snacks are more important than ice snacks, for sure. Yeah, because, I mean, false. No. Uh, false. I mean, yeah, you could always go get, you know, get something, but when uh, Joey's out there grinding, it'd be nice to, I mean, shout out to Craig Dickmeyer, usually, uh, and Jody. Jody usually brings cookies yeah. for us. And my grandma. And, and Grandma's yep. coming with some, some 97 years or 98 <laughs> years of love and care cookies, too, so. Yeah, I show means cookies. A plethora of cookies. Lots of cookies. Which I don't like. I said we're talking about ice snacks. I don't get a ton into uh, eating a lot on the ice. Because I feel like in open water ice, whenever I'm fishing, I feel like I eat a little bit. And then I just get hungry. And if I just keep fishing, I just keep fishing. And then as soon as you get off the ice, you just crush food at whatever the next (laughs) gas station you stop at. I... You remember the, what were they, Snickers commercials? <laughs> you're not you. You're not you when you're hungry. Okay, it, Joey's missing fish. Yeah, you, you don't think clearly. Okay, so I don't care what you're doing, whether you're going to work, you're fishing, going on a hunting trip, doesn't matter. Uh, it, anytime you need to use your brain, you need to be sharp, you need to have... At least a little bit of snack, because those Snickers commercials are the real deal, man. I, I you get hungry, uh, like uh, incredibly hungry, you act like a different person, okay? And you're not thinking about what your next move is. You're thinking about how hungry you are. Well, bring a granola see, bar. I'll tell you for for my ice fishing ice fishing roster. I'm still shopping for the, you know, the best snack in my roster. What what would be, in your mind, the best snack? I don't know. Like, obviously, I'd go, I'd jump right to, like, some jerky or something. Jerky. Yeah. Or something, like, yeah. trail mix you can keep in your pocket. Um, another good one that uh, I think you're pretty familiar with is maybe some frozen pizza. Just put oh. it in a little... Ziploc bag and throw it in the five gallon bucket and you get hungry. You got a little frozen pizza action. Frozen pizza is hard to go wrong with. You, if you're gonna spend a whole entire day on the ice, that's that's the place you're gonna be. That's what you're doing. There is no easier meal. That's the only meal that you need all day. You got a ton you know, of calories. You know when you know Joey's ready to grind when he hops in the truck, throws his rods in. Slaps a Ziploc bag of pizza up there. I, full pizza. Every time. I'm notorious for taking a full frozen pizza, putting it in a bag, and bringing it out. But the way I see it is, I'm going to make sure that I feed myself at least a little bit so I can attempt to stay sharp and stay focused. But at you the know, same you time... You can get to get bit. I'm not wasting myself with my time with some sandwich that's falling apart or some nonsense. All you need... You grab that one slice, you're fishing with one hand, you're eating with the other. Nice thing about your pizza is you generally share, too. Right. So when everyone's, like, getting Snickers hungry, you're not yourself. It's portable, and it's extremely effective. The only other thing I would say for ice, now, not nearly as portable, would be soup. 
You could have yourself a thermos of soup. And you're out there hole hopping all day in the cold, no house, grinding away. You take yourself 20 minutes to have a hot soup out of a thermos. It's like you strapped a rocket booster to the backside of your day. Dogs on the buddy heater. Okay. Now, if you're hunkered down for the day, (laughs) there's a good one. We're going to go into a culinary segment here. If you're hunkered down in a house all day, you know you're going to have a heater on most likely. Bring yourself some brats. Bring the dogs. You will not regret it. Bring the dogs. That's right. Now, there's a million ways that you could cook a brat or a hot dog on on a a portable heater, right? I mean, you get real freaky with it and just set it on the grate. You could hold it over with your hand. Um, You could use your forceps to create, like, a hot dog skewer. Maybe bring a stick. Charlie's partial to the... Using a pair of forceps just because it's quick and it's efficient. You already got them. Well, Brad does usually. Brad Hawthorne is a master of cooking on portable heaters. He's been around the block a time or two. Oh, yeah. What? A little jalapeno cheddar. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. And uh, so that's like a, that's like a, bougie ice meal right if you bust that out and you're making it on a heater you didn't go all the way as to bring a grill because at that point now you're packing too much weight wasting time this and that oh you were pick that thing up roast that wiener over that heater yeah warm warm ice snacks are the best ice snacks yeah if you guys want to sit there and be like i don't have time for that ice ice snacks aren't my priority but yeah, sh- shout out to all the anglers out there that are bringing grills out there and cooking for the crew. Um, usually, those are just the people me and Charlie like to go fishing with. Yeah, <laughs> you always drag a chef with you. No, I usually don't. But I mean, if just, you could, in, but if in there's general, one out there, we ain't passing I, it. There's up. definitely anglers that probably listen to this, or yeah, you know, some people they're, like they're they, bringing their grill and the mini triggers and the blackstones now. Like some people really get after it. I need to oh, find yeah. some friends like that. But. But booth snacks. Booth snacks. St. Paul snacks. Ice Show booth St. Paul Ice Show. Yeah. So we're going to be at the St. Paul Ice Show here in a couple, little bit. Yeah. I don't know the exact dates, but we'll pop up the dates here. Uh, we'll have a booth right next to Reed's. Um, come say hello, I think. All, yeah. December, all, December 1st through the 3rd. Okay. Yeah. Charlie's my date guy. So, yeah, no, it's be super cool. Uh, we'll be showing off all the new products. Uh think the majority of our pro staff will be there. Bro will be there. Brad will be there. Um, not sure if Nick's going to be there yet, but I think Dick yeah. Meyer will be there. So yep. got a got a good crew there. Uh, make sure to come say hi. I think we're going to be doing some promotions at some of the retailers there. So if you come down and buy some stuff from any one of the retailers that exhibit, um, we'll have some stuff for you, but it's going to be a good time. I think St. Paul is the best sports show out there right now. Um, some of the sports shows kind of seem like they're dying, but St. Paul just keeps going and going and going, and it's a really good show. So if, if you're into ice and never been, uh, make sure to check it out for sure. For sure. All righty. Well, we've gone a little bit over an hour here, so I think we're going to wrap it up and get back to work. But uh, we're hoping to do a lot more of these soon and, and kind of make it a regular thing of just stopping in and, and talking fishing. 
on the Fisherman's Favorite Podcast. So thanks for tuning in. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, Chuck. Northland Fish and Tackle. Fisherman's Favorite. It's the Fisherman's Favorite.